God did. Hey, turn to your neighbor, guys. Turn to your neighbor and tell him Kirk Cousins is the GOAT. Guys, I literally timed that last sermon two weeks ago, like two weeks too early. I could have got up here after that Monday night football. Kirk Cousins is slinging. And we got Packers this weekend. It would have been perfect. Gosh. Oh. Hey, friends, I just want to say again. I just want to say again, welcome to next high school. I'm so glad you're all here. I know we haven't been here in two weeks, and so... I just want to say, if you're new or you're, you've been here forever, like, I hope you would feel at home here. I, f- I hope that you would feel at home at Next on a Wednesday night. Um, over the past two weeks, a lot has happened. Of course, we had fall retreat, which was so much fun. I'm, I'm still recovering. We'll see if I can make it through this sermon without uh, coughing my brains out. I've had a little cough since fall retreat, so you can pray for me. Um, I, feel, I feel old, but I'm, I promise I'm only 21. We're good. Um, Guys, actually, so after the day, uh, after we got back from retreat, the day after, I had this really awesome privilege and honor to go down to Lakeville South High School and preach uh, to like 400 students on their football field uh, and preach the gospel. Uh, shout out to Caden Loy if he's here tonight. Like he also got up and shared his testimony. He's not here. Well, shout out to him anyways. Uh, he got up, shared his testimony. And it, it was sweet. Like out of those 400 students, I think 45 decided to follow Jesus for the first time ever? Yeah, come on. That's awesome. You guys see the cough coming on. We'll see if we can make it. And uh, many more of them, like, committed their life to Christ, and it was, it was sweet. But here's why I bring that up. Here's why I bring that up. The theme of that night was freedom. Like, the, the theme verse was 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, like, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so as I shared the gospel, which just means the good news about Jesus, I spoke about the fact that each one of us, we were created, designed to be free. I shared how our sin and our enemy, like, threaten to take away that freedom, put us into captivity, and and how the only way we can be restored back to the freedom we were made for is by trusting in Jesus Christ alone. How he gave up his life so that we might be free, and I think that's great. I think most of us in this room, we've heard about the freedom that we have in Christ. Uh, A lot of us would be like, amen to all of that, but I also think that many of us have wondered about what freedom in Christ really is. Deep down, I think some of us would say, trying to live our life for Jesus feels like anything but freedom. It may feel like maybe more of a prison cell. I, I don't want you guys to misunderstand me. Like, I've heard from you. I want to love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Like I, know, like, I know he's good. But you also feel stuck. You feel like you're missing it on, like, enjoying Jesus. And yet still, you can't, like, enjoy the things you once did, the life you once lived and you feel guilty, and you're like looking for an answer. Where is the freedom that everyone talks about? This one question, it echoes around in our minds and in our hearts. Why do I do what I don't want to do? That's an ancient question, actually. 
that followers of Jesus have asked for generations. Why do I do what I don't want to do? I keep blowing up at my parents every time they get on my nerves. Why do I do that? I want to go back to that website when I feel lonely or tired. Why do I do that? I want to go back to that friend group just so I can, like, be somebody. Why do I do that? That substance, that girl or that guy that's really easy to take advantage of, those anxious thoughts, why? Why do I do what I don't want to do? I don't feel free. I feel captive. I want to follow Jesus. Like, like he's my everything. I know that. I see you guys worshiping. But still, I, I do not do what I want to do. I, I do what I hate. Why? Friends, I want you to be encouraged. Because even the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary of all time, the man who wrote most of the New Testament, even this text we're getting into tonight, he, he asked this question. In fact, he's the one that, that wrote it down thousands of years ago. He goes on about it for about an entire chapter, actually. Uh, Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 15. We see this. Paul writes, I do not understand what I am doing. Because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I don't want to do. Now, if I do what I don't want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is sin that lives in me. Probably the most relatable passage I've ever found in Scripture. Why do I do what I don't want to do? There's good news for us, though. And there's good news for Paul. He finishes the passage and he says, he says this, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? In other words, the solution to this question of why do I do what I don't want to do, it's like somewhere, it's somewhere outside of myself, like, like this world in, in, in my flesh is so deeply marked by sin. I can't escape it. Like I can't fully get away from it yet. But he continues, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, Jesus has rescued me. And so then with my mind, I myself am serving God, but with my flesh, I'm serving sin. This leads right into Romans chapter 8. And we're going to camp out in Romans chapter 8 uh, over the next month and a half. Obviously, we'll have some weird weeks in between. We've got missions week coming up. Zane will be here a couple times, and we've got uh, Thanksgiving in there as well. But we'll be in Romans 8 for about four weeks uh, over the next month and a half. And uh, here's what Romans 8 is going to show us, guys. Romans 8 is going to show us that we are, we are free to live in Christ. We are free to live in Christ. And the reason that you need to hear this message tonight is because right now in your circumstance, in your life stage as a high schooler, in your context and in your struggles, you may not actually feel like that's true. That you are free to live in Christ and for Christ. 
I want to help you guys see tonight that there's actually a deeper meaning when we say we're free in Christ. Like, wh- what does that actually mean? I want to help you see that. Um, not to mention, all of you guys, whether you already have or you will, will be faced with what the world calls freedom. You will be faced with an opportunity for what the world calls freedom. Whether that's like comfort and luxury and that's your whole life is pursuing that because that's freedom. Your retirement account is your freedom. The car you drive is your freedom. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's influence and popularity. And so you give your life to that because that's freedom. If you know the right people, if you've got a following, you're free. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's sexual liberty, sexual expression. Maybe that's your freedom. I can just do whatever I want with whoever I want. Friends, what the world calls freedom is captivity. Why do you think our world's dominated by depression, anxiety, suicide, and abuse? I want you to see tonight that, that freedom is truly found in Jesus. So this series is called it's called God Did. It's a series through Romans 8. So the big idea for tonight is that God did everything we need to be free. God did everything we need to be free. I actually brought something along with me tonight to sort of set up our time in Romans 8. It's actually my fiance's engagement ring. Um, you probably can't see it from where you're at. So I got a video, if you could throw that up. It's a better look at it. It's beautiful. Trust me, there's a point to this. There's a point to this. This isn't like a weird flex or anything like that. Like, all right. That ain't small. Get out of here. All right, you guys got a good look at it. Here's, here's the point of all of this. Here's the point of why I have this ring up here. I've heard it said, friends, I've heard it said, heard it said that if the Bible, if the Bible was a ring, just like this one, Romans would be the cluster of stones that makes up the setting. Romans, a theological masterpiece, would be the, the stones that make up the setting, right? They stand out. But Romans 8, Romans 8 would be the solitaire stone that is set apart, high above all the others. It's clear, it's complex, it's beautiful from every angle, and friends, Romans 8 is the gospel from every angle. This, this, this series is going to be deep, because Romans 8 is deep. Do you guys know how a diamond is valued? Have you guys ever, you guys ever heard about the way that we value a diamond? Have you ever heard of the four C's of a diamond? Does anyone know what the four C's of a diamond are? I heard carrot, cut, color, clarity. Boom, ding, ding, ding. Cut, color, clarity. Guys, the cough's coming. It's threatening me. Cut, color, clarity. Cut, collar. Cut, color, clarity, and carrot. And so those are the ways in which we determine the value of a stone, of a diamond. And so if Romans 8 is like the solitaire stone on a diamond ring, clear and complex, beautiful from every angle, 
then of course, friends, we're going to look at four things that help us understand the value of our freedom in Christ. Did you catch that, friends? We're going to look at the four things that help us understand our value or the value of our freedom in Christ. You got to pay attention for this one. I'm calling these things the four, the four frees of life. You got four C's, you got four frees. It kind of works. In other words, we're going to talk through tonight the four ways that we are free in a life with Jesus. And number one is free from punishment. Number two is free from having to be perfect. Number three, we're free from our old way of life. And number four, we're free from death. These are the four frees of our life with Jesus. So we're going to hop into Romans chapter 8. We're starting in verse 1. Uh, if you haven't flipped open there, go ahead now, Romans 8. If not, it's on the screen. So follow along. All right, Romans 8, starting in verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. So our first of our four frees of life with Jesus is number one, we're free from punishment. We're free from punishment. The text says there is now no condemnation. That's a word we don't use a lot. Essentially, it just means like there's, there's no punishment for those who belong to Jesus. Like we will not be punished even though we deserve it. Truth is, friends, every single one of us is guilty. How do we know that? Because we know right from wrong. Believers are unbelievers. We have like this internal voice of justice and morality that tells us what's good and what's evil. And that, and that comes from God. Hebrews 10, 16, God promised this hundreds of years before Jesus, and Hebrews is quoting it. He says, I'll put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. The law, you can think of it, you know, Ten Commandments. Do not murder, do not steal. This is like God's law. There's actually 613 laws in the Old Testament that make up God's law. And then Jesus comes and he says, you want to know how to summarize that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's God's law, and he says he's written it on our hearts. And so although we know what is right, here's the key. Here's the problem. Our natural response is rebellion. I don't feel like I have to explain this. Um, it's in our nature to push boundaries. It's in our nature to push boundaries, to break rules, to resist authority. Like, you don't have to teach a baby to be selfish or to hit. It's just in our nature. I think, I, I think we, like to see, we like to see what will happen. We like that thrill, and we think, we think boundaries restrict our freedom, and so we push them. In the end, there's, there's, always, there's always consequences to this rebellion. So my rebellion has consequences. You see, friends, I've, I've hurt people. Like, unfortunately, I have a track record where people have been hurt. I've taken advantage of people. I've, I've damaged my own ability to trust others because I was untrustworthy. And so there's consequences. 
I've pushed boundaries that were not mine and uh, not mine to push. And I've also experienced the consequences of others' rebellion. That, that's hurt me in many ways as well. And, and you can think right now in your own heart, like, how have I been hurt by my rebellion or by other people's rebellion? The truth is, as you think about those things and, and those things come to mind, like, we've all messed up. That's, that's, uh, that's called sin. But what's the result? What's the result of that? Yes, consequences, but no condemnation, no punishment. I'm free. I'm free from punishment. You see, it doesn't make any sense. We sin against a morally perfect and eternal God, and the condemnation that we deserve is eternal punishment. That's what our sin requires. Two chapters earlier, Paul writes, the wages of sin is death in Romans 6. And so all I've earned is death. Separation from God. But our passage tonight, we see that we don't get what we earned when we trust in Jesus. It's not fair, but it's true. There's now no condemnation because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the principle of The standard of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law, the principle, the standard of sin and death. For what the law could not do, for what God's law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. A few years ago, a few years ago I got busted for going, uh, for speeding, going 88 and a 60. Not a good idea. I didn't even realize I was doing it, to be honest. Like, some guy was about to, like, merge into my lane, and I was like, I'm out of here. So I sped up, and then there's, like, semi-trucks, and I'm like, I'm not going to wait behind these guys. All of a sudden, I'm going 88, and then you see the flashing lights. It's not a good idea, friends. So I got a, I got a big, big ticket. If you don't know, this is probably good life advice. The faster you go, the bigger the ticket. There's, like, echelons of, yeah. So that's a fat ticket. Um, and so the law says, like, Point blank, if you go above this certain speed, you will get a ticket. You will get some sort of a punishment. God's law says if you sin against a perfect God, you will get death. The wages of sin is death. But what this is saying in Romans 8 is that God's law, which is good and perfect, it was created to set his people apart. And guide them into right living. Like that was what it was created for. It's good, right intention. It's God's law. But, but really now all it's able to show us is that we're sinful. And so we can look at a list of God's law and all of them. And we're, we're guilty on all accounts. And all that does is tell us, yep, you're guilty. We're stuck. And so God, he doesn't, he doesn't like set a new standard. He doesn't introduce like a new law, but in principle, he set his own. He fulfilled his own law for us through Jesus. God fulfilled the law through Jesus. God didn't break the law to come get us. You might hear that sometimes. That's not true. He fulfilled it in every way he could. And so when we trust that Jesus is enough, 
we are free from punishment. The law of the spirit of life, the principle, the standard of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it's referred to. It says, you broke the law, you are forgiven. I want to go back to Hebrews 10. I want to kind of expand on that quote. And it's, again, it's quoting a prophecy from hundreds of years before Jesus. Jeremiah, I believe, uh, off the top of my head. We, it says this. It says, the Lord says, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. And so not only are we, like, not guilty in Christ, like, we're let, we're let go, we're, we're good. We're not only not guilty, we're actually innocent. He declares us innocent, and not only innocent, but righteous. And that leads me to my second free of life with Jesus. Number two of the four frees of life with Jesus is that we are free from having to be perfect. We're free from having to be perfect. And so Paul continues in Romans 8, he says, he condemned sin in the flesh. This is Romans 8, starting in the second half of verse 3. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as a sin offering. In order that the law's requirement will be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. And so next high school, we're free from having to be perfect. Why? Because Jesus is. Y'all, he's, he's perfect, and that's, that's why God sent him. God sent his own son to live a perfect life, pay for our sin, and the result is so that, as Paul writes it, the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us. What the heck does that mean? This is Romans 8, guys. It's crazy. It's clear and it's complex and it's beautiful from every angle. That the law would be fulfilled in us. In us. The law that we just said we could never live up to. Fulfilled in us. As we talked about before, it only shows us that we're sinful. And so how? How do we get to this place where the law is fulfilled in us. I don't, I don't doubt that any of you guys can grasp this. There's a reason why we're teaching through this, because I believe you guys can dig into this theology. This is deep. So take notes. This is good. On God's word. Not anything I have to say. Who cares? But God's word is, is so deep. So lean in for this. Guys, we see that when we trust in Jesus... He becomes our righteousness. He is our perfection. The only thing good about us is him. He's the reason why God can call us innocent because if Jesus died for you, paying for your sin personally, then when God looks at you, he sees his son. And so the life that he lived becomes yours simply by having faith in him. His life becomes yours if you have faith in him. And so, how, do, how is the law fulfilled in us? His life required, his life fulfilled the requirement of God's law. He was perfect. And so, and so we're free from having to be perfect because he is our righteousness. 
When God looks at us, he sees him, and so we're free from having to be perfect because he already was. And guys, that doesn't mean that we're simply free to break the law. Just because God looks at us and sees Jesus when we trust in him does not mean that we're free to break the law. Because we're, we're free from having to be perfect, we know that we are free to follow God's law as we follow Jesus. Not free to break the law, but to fulfill it. In our sin, we can't, but with Jesus, we can't. How? By setting our minds on God, on the spirit of God who lives in us. Take a breather. Just take a breather. This is, this is rich. I've actually been studying this with some guys from Chain High School, a couple other guys too, and uh, we started studying it on Tuesday mornings when the school year started. I don't know how many weeks it's been, but we're only on verse 12. And th- that's, how, that's how deep this goes. Like we, s- we can spend time on like one or two verses and just sp- sit on that for an hour. But like I want to get practical with you guys. All of us have patterns and habits and addictions in our lives that have taken hold of us. This is like the practical application of what we're talking about. The law fulfilled in us. Setting our minds on God. Following his law. The practical application is that we have patterns and habits and addictions that have taken hold of us and they are sinful. And no matter how much we hate those things and love Jesus, the patterns may still exist and probably do and we can feel stuck in them. And that leads me to my third free of the three or the four frees of following Jesus is that we're free from our old way of life. Real, real practical in this one, guys. Free from our old way of life. We are free from having to be perfect. We know that we aren't. We also know that when we fail, God's grace is more than enough. But we can find hope and freedom from our patterns, habits, and addictions by seeking to follow Jesus. Here's the key. Fighting the cough. The key is it's one day at a time. It's one day at a time. You can't beat that thing that you keep doing that you hate by saying, I'm going to give it up forever. That's too big for you. There's a reason why we have 24 hours in a day. Pick up your cross daily. Follow Jesus daily. Set your mind on God today. One day at a time. That's how we find freedom. That's how we answer that question. Why do I do what I don't want to do? And we get that to be a different question. What does it mean to set your mind on the spirit? What does it mean to walk in the spirit every day? It means being consistently aware of his presence and power in our lives. Consistently aware of the presence of God in you and the power he has. Do you guys know that when Jesus walked on the earth, he was filled with the spirit of God? What he did on this earth, you guys can read the crazy stories. How did that happen? The spirit of God. Dependence on him. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He depended on God just like we need to. How do we walk in the spirit? We are consistently aware of his presence and power in our lives. We set our mind on him. We think about him. He's the best thought we could ever have. We, we stop thinking about all our struggles and how, how much we hate them and how much we wish we couldn't do them anymore, but we set our minds on him. We set our minds on him. 
Y'all, Paul continues. Now the mindset of the sinful flesh is death. But the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. It's one day at a time. Choosing Jesus instead of our sin because now we can. And because he's better. So when our mind is like full of our desires, our flesh's desires, our sinful desires, it says that's a mindset of death. Do you guys want a mindset of death? No. That sucks. You could put it in another way and say that's a mindset of captivity. If all I'm thinking about is what I'm struggling with, I'm captive to that. But if I set my mind on, on Jesus... I can find that freedom. I think I said at the beginning, maybe following Jesus feels like more like a prison for some of you guys. It feels more like a prison because you're not stepping out of the cell. You're not realizing the fact that the chains have already been broken and you're, re- you're released, you're free. And see, we see that when, we were, when we're saved, we're set free. We're set free from the punishment. We're set free from the power of sin. And we can actually have this mindset of Christ, which is the mindset that brings life, that brings freedom. And when we have the mindset of Christ, we can say, oh, I'm in the cell. I need to get out. Let me walk out the open door that's already been unlocked. We can live a new life. We can be free from our old way of life. Because the same spirit of God that lived in Jesus now lives in us. We live in his life now. We live in his life, not our own. So what this does for us is over time, we learn to actually enjoy following God's law and his word. I know that sounds crazy to some of you, and sometimes it does to me too. But we find that like his original intent for us to be right with him was freedom. That's freedom, following him, loving him, and not captivity to our own sinful ways cool thing is, guys, when we live differently than the world, when we actually do that, when we live differently, setting our minds on Jesus and not our fleshly desires and our sin, it actually draws people around us to God. God's way actually becomes attractive to the world. Before God's law, like we know, it led to rebellion and sin. Like, okay, God's law, that's, okay, I'm going to do the opposite. That's what it, that's what it did. Maybe it even led you to self-righteousness. You know, you look at that, you look at God's law, you look at God's word, and you're like, but I'm better than them. But guys, because of Jesus, we can live in a way that actually pleases God. Good news. That text said, you can't please please God in the flesh, but if you set your mind on things of the spirit and walk in the spirit, you can please God. That's when people are drawn to us and drawn to God. I hope that all of you one day, it would be said of you, they love Jesus, and you will love Jesus more if you are around them. Would that be true for you? I don't know if you guys caught it, but we talked about how the mindset of flesh is death, and the mindset of Christ 
the new life in Christ. That's, that's life. That's the opposite of death. And so it's no wonder why people are drawn to that, because it's refreshing. If all the world ever gets is death, and that's what they get, that's true. And then they see life, they see someone following Jesus, the one who brings life, that's attractive. Something to think about. How can you live differently? Lastly, I know this, this has been so deep and so much. I know you guys are like, I got a headache. We're going to wrap it up here. The last, the last free of our life with Jesus is we're free from death. We're free from death. Verses 10 and 11 say this. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead, God, will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Make it real simple, guys. We're dead in our sin. Jesus makes us alive. And when we are made alive, we are promised new minds. Minds that know and cherish the truth about God. New hearts that love and long for a relationship with God. New bodies that will be perfected in eternity. Free from disease, aging, and sinful desires. And then, of course, in Christ we have new life. New life that starts today and lasts forever. Free from death. And we don't have to walk through this life trying to make it count. We don't have to be like held captive to what this world wants for us. We're promised an eternity that is perfect, full of pleasure, full of satisfaction, and, and freedom. Jesus says in John 10, I am the gate Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So we are free from death. It's no longer our final destiny for those who have faith in Jesus because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he's real and he'll raise us too. So in summary, we're free because we're free from punishment. We're free from having to be perfect. We're free from our old way of life, and we're free from death. And friends, God did everything we needed to be free. He did that because we were stuck. And as I thought about how we'd end tonight's time together, I was reminded of a conversation I had the other night with some friends. Uh, actually, last weekend. And this, this combo, it was about skydiving. And of course, you know, we all gave our reasons of why we would not do it or would do it or whatever our opinions were about skydiving. And uh, it occurred to me, like, skydiving's got to be one of the most freeing experiences we could ever have. Ask anyone who loves skydiving. I'm sure they would say, absolutely, but... You know, you look at skydiving and it seems freeing. It seems exhilarating. It seems like adrenaline. It seems like all of that, like good stuff, right? But catch this, it's only freeing as long as you have a parachute. A parachute is a must for experiencing freedom. And as ridiculous as all that sounds, I want to point out that a parachute is not holding you back 
or holding you captive or restraining your freedom. That parachute frees you to enjoy the ride and live. Skydiving without a parachute is being held captive to the death that awaits you. You have no other choice but death without a parachute. And friends, in the same way, we can experience this life in freedom as long as we have the one person that can keep us from death. You see, without Jesus, without Jesus, we don't have any other option than death. It's all we can choose. It's all we can find in the end. But with Jesus, we have the freedom to choose life in this life, to choose him, to follow him. He's the one who makes this life meaningful. He's the one who allows us to enjoy the ride and find life at the end. And if you have not yet trusted in Jesus, if you have not trusted in him like a skydiver trusts a parachute with your whole life, I just want to invite you now. Romans 8. We've been in it all night. You see what it says. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those in the flesh cannot please God. And then a couple words later it says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Jesus. But you can belong to him tonight. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you confess he's Lord, that's how we're saved. He becomes that parachute that allows us to experience the full fullness of life. If you're in this room and you want to believe that for the first time, I'll just say do it. Like you're standing out on the edge of an airplane and they're like, it's time to go. That's what I'm telling you right now. Just do it. Believe with your whole life that Jesus is who he says he is. Don't hesitate. Pull that parachute, find life, and then tell somebody. Tell somebody, and we can celebrate that. I would love to celebrate that. Let's pray, friends. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the beautiful and complex and clear and deep truth of your word, especially in Romans 8. God, thank you that we're free to live in Christ. And thank you that all three of those things are not separate, but they are all one and the same. Free to live in Jesus. I pray, God, that if there's a student in this room right now who wants to receive you, who wants to put on that parachute, pull that parachute, and experience life with you forever. Pray they would just pray uh, this prayer right now. God, I, I mess up, and I see that. I know I can never get back to you on my own, but I thank you that you sent Jesus to fulfill everything that I owed to you. And God, I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you really raised him from the dead. Be the Lord of my life, God. And if that's you and you receive Jesus, just say amen.
in your heart. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for all the students in here, God, the students who have already followed you and have already found life in you. Pray they would go deeper. Pray that tonight in small groups, you bless our conversations. In Jesus' name I'll pray. Amen. All right, y'all. If you are new here and you do and you came with a friend, go ahead and follow your friend to small group. If you're new here and you're by yourself, come talk to me. I'll be waiting up here to tell you where to go. All right, I love you guys. See y'all. Next week is missions week.